0: Life Audio.
1: Up next on Encouragement for You, financial authority Betty Banks discusses overcoming the financial stress of the holidays, and life coach Rodney Love talks New Year's resolutions.
0: Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Have probably overspent on Christmas gifts And entertaining at one point In the holiday season For many years, Betty Banks served as vice president Of consumer credit counseling services And she and host Don Hawkins Provide answers for those post-holiday Financial stresses
1: Betty, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, Betty, it does seem to me that the collection practices that agencies, organizations practice today are really discouraging to people. What are your thoughts about that?
3: Thankfully, Don,
1: uh, there
3: are governing bodies that, determine what a collection agency can or cannot do, or let me say should or should not do. (laughs) You (laughs) generally can't stop them for doing something that they truly intend to do anyhow. Uh But there are certain rules of collection, and and the legitimate collection agencies, and and there's a a place for them because there are some people who just don't want to pay. And we recognize that, and there is a a legitimate place for collection agencies, those who adhere to, to the specific guidelines of the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, also known as Public Law 95-109, um, but these are people who have a job to do. The problem arises when they do things that are detrimental to the consumer uh, so desperately that they put consumers at risk. And here again, we're not talking about the legitimate services. Yeah. We're talking about the bad guys.
1: Okay, so there are good guys and bad guys. There are
3: good now- in any, in any industry.
1: Sure. <laughs> that does raise a question, though, in and of itself. Uh, typically, are we talking now about the department stores and the organizations where you've charged the bills? Or are we talking about collection agencies that they turn your debt over to?
3: It's two different things to look at. Most retailers, those who do credit business, mm-hmm. have internal procedures for collections.
1: Yeah, and usually they'll start with a nice letter saying, did you forget your payment? Exactly. Mm -hmm.
3: And most people simply get busy or have to travel, and they do forget sometimes. Yeah,
1: that's fairly common. It's
3: not a a problem for most of them. A gentle reminder Mm -hmm. that you respond to in a positive way will usually allow you to work something out with a creditor. If you're going to be delayed because of excess medical bills or legal bills or even Christmas, if you'll just maintain contact with most creditors, they will work with you and say, look, when can you? And if you yeah. make them a promise, for heaven's sake, keep it. Don't ever make a promise that you don't intend to keep or that you cannot yeah. keep.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a very important point, it seems to me. Number one, if you tell them, I plan to send you a payment in the next week or the next do two it. weeks, you best do it. Do it. Yeah, they are really unhappy when they have to call back and say, wait a minute, you told us last week there'd be a check in the mail, and there is no check in the mail.
3: That's a very bad thing to do. You're You're absolutely jeopardizing your credibility mm-hmm. with the organizations and the companies with whom you choose to do business. That is a bad thing.
1: Yeah. Now, on the other hand, uh, typically if you pay it off, uh, they're pretty understanding, as long as this doesn't happen about every two months or something right. like
3: that. What you're looking at is a history. Yeah. Bear in mind that every payment that you make appears in your history, on your history with that creditor, and those creditors report that information to credit repositories like Experian and uh, Equifax and TransUnion. Those are the three major credit repositories. Your performance is what shows up on your credit report. A lot of people says will, will say that a credit grantor ruined my credit or a credit bureau ruined my credit. That's not what happened. What hmm. happened is that the consumer made some unwise choices, and that's what ruined the credit.
1: Betty, I was reading a great story in the uh, back in November of, of uh, 1998 uh, in USA Today, in the money uh, page, the money section, the cover story, talked about Consumer Credit Counseling Service, a very favorable article. But in it, there was a story about a family who fell behind on a new car loan after medical problems, husband could not go back to work. The creditor, they said, called at all hours, said if they didn't pay up, they would be arrested. The man would lose his job. Then they started calling relatives and friends listed as credit references on the loan application and harassed them. Is that inside or outside the line?
3: That it, it's, I think we've got a very thin line there. Okay. Um, when, when a credit grantor asks, when, when you fill out a credit application, the, the grantor will very often ask for the name of another person not mm. living with you that they may co- may contact in case they need to get in touch with you. You've already told them that they could. <laughs> That's one of the things that a lot of consumers are not aware of. Yeah. They've already given that credit granted permission to do that.
1: Oh, so actually in putting them on the application, you have given them permission.
3: You've told them they could do it. Okay. Now, put, threatening to put you in jail, I don't think there's a debtor's prison anywhere in the in the US. Didn't
1: I, those go out in England? <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I don't think anywhere in the technologically advanced uh, industrialized nations, I don't believe that there is a debtor's prison. Yeah. They might be able to embarrass you or ruin your credit, but yeah. I, I don't think they can put you in jail. <laughs> yeah. I don't now, believe so.
1: Well, that's good news to know. And, and this particular family was talking about they just felt broken down. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was reading in this article that some of the factors in bankruptcies filed uh, actually involve this harassment that comes from these creditors.
3: Right. The phone calls. Mm-hmm. I I talked to one of the lawyers here in in Dallas, and he said, whatever the initial cause, the thing that finally breaks the camel's back mm-hmm. is almost invariably collection calls from creditors.
1: Mm. Wow. So in other words, and, and do these typically come to your home? Do they come to your work or all of the above?
3: Well, generally, Collection calls, if we're talking about a collection agency, the collector is limited to one call a day. It must be at a time and place convenient to the debtor, the person who's in trouble, to the trouble debtor. If you've given them specific uh, information that your employer does not permit collection calls on the job and they continue to call you on the job, that's a no-no. That's something that that you might want to pursue yourself in terms of of seeking legal advice.
1: Now, this is a part of that Public Law
3: 95109? That's the Fair Debt Collection Practices Mm -hmm. Act. And the collection rules that govern third-party collections or collection agencies are different than a primary creditor. For instance, if you've got a large retail store account Hmm. and they have not turned that account over to a collection agency, the rule's a little bit different. For yep. instance, you can refuse to deal with a collection agency.
1: Oh, so you can actually tell a collection agency. I know of a Don't situation. <laughs> oh, ah.
3: Uh, what is called a cease and desist letter, you can give send them that. Uh, they certainly do have the right to call you again uh, one more time. Once you send them a cease and desist, they will generally let you know that they will recommend to the primary creditor that, that y- they sue you, and they can do that. But yep. once that letter has been sent and received. And I do recommend to any debtor that once they feel pressed to go to that extreme, that they don't talk to me, they don't call me anymore to a collection agency, that they send it by certified mail, because that mm-hmm. way it documents that the letter was sent yep. and received.
1: Betty, those three credit uh, bureaus.
3: Okay. Experian, which is the largest one, and um, TransUnion and Equifax. You can always dispute any information that appears on your credit file, but you have to remember that the credit report is a history. It simply explains what happened. It is nonjudgmental. The, the judgment comes from the individuals who are looking at it. And I always think, and this is one of the things that we work very, very hard and diligently with the bureaus and with the credit granters, is not to punish someone for having done the right thing. Because when you've worked very, very hard to try to liquidate a debt, for them not to look upon that as a negative, even though you might not have adhered to the original contract, you did try to pay it off in an orderly manner. We'll be right back after this message. Oftentimes, it doesn't
0: take very long to find ourselves breaking those New Year's resolutions. Christian life coach Rodney Love provides some practical suggestions on sticking to our New Year's resolutions in the upcoming conversation with host Don Hawkins.
1: So glad you've joined us for New Year's resolutions, the kept, the broken, Uh, those that are in between. Rodney Love is a faith-based life coach. I'm Don Hawkins. So, Rodney... New Year's resolutions, are they biblical, are they unbiblical, are they
2: just practical? What do you think? Well, I think they can be biblical, Don. Okay. Because you can base it on Scripture as far as focusing on what you're going to do, how your walk spiritually is going to get better spiritually. And one of the things I think about when New Year's resolutions, a great New Year's resolution to make, in my opinion, is to dig deeper into God's Word, hmm. get to know God's Word. Reading through the Bible might be something, and it's not too late.
1: You've got 51 weeks left to go, 66 books, and I think you could break those down. Some of those books are short enough. You don't need a week. Some of them are long enough. You need two weeks. Hmm. So you could probably do that. Uh, Time magazine posted a list of the top 10 New Year's resolutions that people make. What do you think would be number one, Rodney? What would you, know, you guess?
2: I don't know. I'm trying to think. About, oh, I bet I do know. Look, everybody wants to lose weight.
1: Yes, that's the number one thing on the list. Number two may not relate to a lot of believers, but drink less would be. Uh, some Some people might want to say not drink at all. Uh, the third one is to exercise and get fit. And then a fourth one sort of goes along with that, eat healthier, go on a diet. And a fifth one, uh, this is one that uh, our friend over in Nashville would like, uh, get out of debt and save money. You know who I'm talking mm. about. yeah. Uh, and then spending more time with family. That's not a bad one. Travel more. Some people like to travel and uh, be less stressed. Volunteer more. And then a tenth one is to make more friends. Now, my question, Rodney, for you is, why do you think so often we fail to keep those resolutions that we've made this time of year?
2: Well, one of the reasons I think people fail to keep their resolutions, number one, Don, this whole list, you just read a whole list, and... You can make such a list that you get overwhelmed and you say, I can't do it. And you just need to make one or two and then stick to it. Again, I go back to reading God's Word. Make that your main New Year's resolution. That way, that helps in your whole growth picture as you get to know more and more about God and what He wants for you.
1: So one of the practical things to do then is to make less resolutions and be able to focus on those. I think, Rodney, the real important question for us is how can Can we reverse the trend and sustain our New Year's resolutions? What practical life coaching kind of advice do you have for I know coaches don't always give advice, but we'll make an exception
2: tonight. Don, my word is consistency. Okay. If you make a resolution, you need to set a consistent time in the day that you're going to fulfill that resolution. And you have to be disciplined enough to do it. I think consistency is a very important principle there, and I would add
1: two other elements to that, and we can talk about all three of these. The second one is accountability. You know, a person who is not held accountable be, will be much less likely to keep a resolution. And a third one is dependency. And by dependency, I mean depending on the Holy Spirit to empower us as believers to be able to keep those. Now, let's, um, like let's talk our way through those. Uh, first of all, um, should we start with uh, consistency or should we maybe start with uh, dependency? Maybe start with depending I, I on the Holy Spirit. I think we start Spirit. with
2: dependency. I mean, you know, as far as because you're dependent, why are you doing this? Why did you make this new year's resolution? So And, And when you think about it, Jesus told his disciples
1: in the upper room, Apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing. He didn't say very little. He didn't say you have a shot at it. He said nothing. And basically, talked about, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And so just like the branch is dependent on the vine, uh, we are dependent on him through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within believers. And by the grace of God, that's what we want to do. So uh, we, we need that dependency. Uh, and then let's move second to the middle one, which is accountability. Uh, talk about the value of accountability.
2: Don, you've got to have someone to hold you accountable. I think about in life— just simple things. When you see birds fly, you normally see them fly in a group. When you see, uh, things together. The military is a prime example. They never send somebody out by themselves. They always send at least two people out. And they're accountable to each other. And you've got to have somebody to hold you accountable so you will fulfill what you've been called, the disciples. Jesus sent them out two by two. And they're really,
1: uh, in a sense, Rodney, it's two sides of the same coin. Accountability and encouragement. We encourage each other. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 talks about two walking together and being agreed, and then talks about a threefold cord. Not quickly broken. All of those kinds of things go together. Over the years, I've had the privilege of having a number of accountability partners, and I'm very grateful for them. Uh, Rodney, the local church
2: is extremely important. Any resolution should be made about that? Well, Don, it's interesting you brought up the local church, especially with COVID, because people have found excuses not to go and be as involved in their local church because of that. COVID COVID has done a number on people's thinking as far as the involvement. And in my world, what I think, and Don, you probably agree with me, it's more important than ever now for us to be involved in a local church, a local Bible believing church. It's more important than ever that we put ourselves in that, those local, with around believers, because believers can incur, other believers are there to encourage you, like iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Yes. They're there to, you need to be involved and be around believers and be in the, you know, in a local yeah. church. It's
1: it's very important. Hebrews ten twenty five is the operative verse. And I know some people use this to beat people over the head, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But the rest of that verse is crucial. And it gives that very thing you're talking about, but encouraging one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The people in your church family need you. They need to know that you care about them. And one of the ways that you let them know you care about them is to show up. Rodney, there's an element of church that you are involved in that a lot of people haven't thought about, perhaps, that could be hugely beneficial. And that is uh, your ministry in Sunday school. Talk about, uh, is Sunday school out of date? Is Sunday school passé?
2: Should people forget about Sunday school? You know, Don's my answer to that because I'm sitting there as a teacher. <laughs> but, I know. But well, I'm asking you. No, Sunday school is not out of date. But more what Sunday school is, Don, more important than anything, it's studying God's word together. Yeah. Whether you're in a small group Bible study or you're in Sunday school, that's important because again, you're with a group. They're encouraging you. You're memorizing scripture together. You're working through the scripture. And yes, you can do it on your own. That's great. But you also need that group activity yeah. when you're working through the word together. There is not just the
1: study of the word. It's not just an academic thing. It's an encouragement exactly. thing, a mutual encouragement. Exactly. And again, I go back to that Hebrews ten twenty five. It's not just failing to abandon, forsaking ourselves or assembling ourselves together, but it is encouraging each other. And the closer we get to the Lord's return, the more we need that, right? Yes,
2: we do, because times are not going to get any easier, and you need the encouragement of others.
1: Yeah. So uh, these are all things that we can do. Now, what about the area of service? Talk about uh, should people make resolutions in terms of service to the Lord, service to people?
2: Yes, because you will be known by your fruit, quote, unquote, out of the Scripture. And one of the things that people— need to do is seek the Lord, determine what He's calling them to do, they'll let you know what you because you have certain gifts. Everybody Don yeah. you know has certain but, gifts. Yeah. And you need to use those gifts that God has given you to serve others. Some gifts are speaking gifts. Uh,
1: teaching is one of those. Obviously you have that gift because you're teaching and using that gift. Encouragement is a gift that you have. Many of us have multiple gifts all of us have at least one gift. I believe First uh, Corinthians 12 is very clear that every single individual in the body of Christ, every believer, has a spiritual gift. Now, you may not have a speaking gift. You may have a serving gift. Some people have the gift of helps. Some people have the gift of leadership or administration. Some people have the gift of serving. But, um, you know, it's a little bit like driving a car. You can't learn to drive a car by reading a manual.
2: That's exactly right. At you got to get into it yeah. and try it.
1: Maybe I should use the illustration of a bicycle. Yeah. Because uh, riding a bicycle is not something that you really learn how to do by reading the manual. For Now, you may need to read the manual, mm-hmm. and in our case, reading Scripture is very important, studying it. But you cannot steer a stationary bike, and you cannot steer a stationary car.
2: That's good. So
1: the reality is... You need to be involved in doing it in the activity. Uh, I think about something Jesus said to his disciples in John 13. He was teaching them in the upper room, and he said, If you know these things, you will be blessed as you do them. And in reality, uh, one of the things that Jesus did in his discipleship ministry was to prepare them and then send them out. He sent them out at times during his ministry, and then once his ministry was concluded as he was about to be taken up into heaven, he
2: told them that go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go make disciples of all nations. And, Don, I think about the bicycle illustration. Unless you get on that thing and ride it, You don't get, you can't imagine how good it feels or what God, you know, unless you step out and do something for God, you're never going to know the fulfillment and the joy you'll get out of doing something. I want to take that
1: metaphor a little further, Rodney. Some of you rode bicycles when you were younger, as I did, and as you probably did. And maybe it's been a while since you've ridden a bicycle. And you may say, well, I'm too old to ride a bicycle. Maybe not. Maybe you say, I'm too weak, I'm too frail to ride a bicycle. But you're not too old, too weak, or too frail to use your spiritual gift. That's Maybe you right. have the gift of encouragement. Uh, there are a lot
2: of ways to encourage people. Don, I tell my people in my Sunday school class, if you're still living and breathing and that six foot under, God still wants to use you.
1: He does, mm-hmm. and He will use you. Uh, just like every living, breathing person needs encouragement, every living, breathing person can encourage. And uh, there is a spiritual gift, a God-given ability for encouragement but encouragement is something that every individual is to do we are all to encourage one another that's what that hebrews 10:25 verse for some reason the holy spirit keeps bringing me back uh, to that verse And the other piece of that is we can all by love serve one another, Galatians 5.16. Again, that's a gift that some people have a special gift of service. Some of that comes down to being available to people. Talk about that.
2: It does. I mean, you you got to step out and step out of your... What I call your world where you just concentrate on you, the me world yeah. and concentrate on others. And you all of a sudden you realize that, and it actually feel, Don, it actually feels good to step out and serve others. It makes you feel good. And God, when God uses you, you get a fulfillment inside yourself. Now, we're talking about a
1: lot of these uh, spiritual issues, things like prayer, Bible study, being involved in the local church, being involved in a Bible study, looking for people to disciple. And we talked about that earlier uh, in terms of discipling young people and uh, developing a positive attitude, certainly important. But the bottom line is um, these other things that we mentioned earlier uh, are important as well. Uh, it may be that your health would benefit from losing weight. And, uh, again, an accountability partner, trusting the Holy Spirit to give you strength, uh, and uh, just um, working on it a little bit at a time, not trying to lose 25 pounds in the first five days, you know, that might not be too realistic, I would think. Uh, You do hear advertisements about that kind of thing. Exercising. Again, uh, maybe you can't start off by running five miles a day uh, or running one mile a day, but maybe you can start off by walking around the block. Or maybe you can walk to the end of the block and back, and then uh, maybe the next week or two you can walk uh, that far. Uh, Same thing in terms of what you eat. Maybe instead of visiting that fast food restaurant and getting the burger and fries, uh, you may discover that vegetables can be a very healthy alternative. So there's some things that we can do along that line, right?
2: Right, exactly. And you start, like you said, you start, you don't try to do it all at one time. You start step by step by step.
1: Keep that in mind that we can take those step by step. Rodney, do you have any
2: final words? I would say to go back and think about, Don, what you shared And just, again, take it step by step, whatever resolutions you have made. Hopefully you haven't made too many, but whatever resolution you had, take it step by step. The main one, though, Don, the two main ones, I would say, encourage you to get into God's Word and to spend time in prayer with Him.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement For You with Don Hawkins. Host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and LifeAudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us.
1: Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.
0: Stay encouraged and join us next time for encouragement for you. The love of God is immeasurable, it's unchanging, it's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, You can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also
3: download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.